This week on the show, I'm going through stories of failure and business closure just to highlight that you don't know what's going to get you in the end. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. So I realized that over the last few weeks, I've made plenty of comments offhandedly about how small businesses are one of the riskiest asset classes that there are to invest in. And I always talk about, you know, the chances of a business failing, closing, et cetera. And this week, I wanted to do something a little bit different from what I normally do. Um, I want to actually focus in on some of the, th of the stories that people don't hear. I, I wrote this email once and it was all about survivorship bias which basically is this idea that it's the survivors in any kind of contest that go on to share their stories. So the TED Talks are often given by the people who successfully do something or other in business. And then when you go looking for stories of other examples of what happens in business, you, you find more of the successful speakers rather than people who haven't been successful. Because you know when you fail at something or your business closes or what have you, then you just want to move on to something else in your life. And, and of course, the statistic about new startups failing um, is a huge one. It's one that I share all the time because I, I want people to know that it's far less risky to buy a business that's already functioning, already has customers and profits than it is to start one. But sometimes even an established profitable business is going to suffer and could even close because of something that we're really unaware of. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the stories that you'll never hear about in a TED Talk um, that I found within my inbox and then some of my phone calls I've had recently with different business owners. I want to share some of those stories and, and then tell you about what you can do about it um, if you do decide that this is the route that you want to take. So first of all, we're, we're two years out of one of the biggest unforeseen upsets in the world of, of business, right? When, when the virus came out and the governments reacted and businesses were closed and we had lockdowns and all that sort of thing. I was in the mall the other day and there are still empty locations in my local mall um, where businesses used to be that have since closed because of all the turmoil in the economy caused by that public health scare, right? And so certainly something like that is unforeseen and it causes some businesses to close. I, I also want to point out the fact that when we're talking about a business closure, we're not always talking about a business failure. I think there's, there's a distinction there. Sometimes it makes sense for a business owner to say, this isn't going well, or this isn't going well enough. It would be better for me simply to wind it up and move on to something else. So I, I keep a folder in my email of different stories and comments and things that come through to me. So here's one from a guy named Bob. And Bob emailed me about something. It was a question. But within his question, he put a line about a business that he once owned. And I want to read it for you. He says, I've previously owned a John Deere lawn and garden dealership. 
which I closed due to a significant market change when the product was placed in Home Depot. All right. So think about that. So we normally think about businesses. We think about the sales. We think about the employees. We think about um, the profit margins. We think about the customers, all that kind of stuff. And in this case, we have an example of somebody who was running their business one day to the next. Everything seemed to be okay. And then a monumental change occurred from one of their principal suppliers that all of a sudden changed the whole market. And I'm guessing the John Deere product became available at a lower price in Home Depot. And he realized I can't compete with Home Depot. There's another example of this um, from here locally. There was a, a family that owned a series of, of blue jean stores and they were selling um, Levi's, I think. And they got, you know, had a supply deal with Levi's. And then when Walmart came to Canada, um, basically they saw the product they were selling offered for almost wholesale price at Walmart. And they realized we can't compete with that. And what these guys did as well is they systematically at the end of every lease, just closed down their operations and left that marketplace. So sometimes something can happen with an important supplier that is entirely outside your control. Like, you know, this Bob didn't have any control over what they were going to do. And that's an example of some of the, you know, people might refer to these as black swan risk events where it's nothing you control. You can do everything correctly. And yet the business still isn't going to survive that event. I mean, another one here. Um, so this one was from a guy that I had a clarity call with. He bought a business and his background is in the IT world. And he bought a business in small custom manufacturing. And what ended up happening was he had a lot of employees. He was very unfamiliar with the manufacturing world. And he didn't understand, you know, the operating capital complexities of lead time through manufacturing, then delivery, and then waiting to be paid, et cetera. But one of the key things that he uncovered, the, once he realized the business's performance was declining, is he was not keeping a close enough eye on the, um, on the uh, quotations and the pricing that the customers were paying. He was relying on the fact that he had this experienced workforce that had been working for the previous owner for years. And a few months ago, he realized, hey, costs are going up. I need to increase my, my prices. So he told the salespeople, increase your materials costs by this, increase the labor rate to this. And he trusted them to do that. And they didn't. And so several months later, when he realizes by looking at his financial statements that earnings are starting to go down, he goes looking for the problem and realizes that the price increases he thought he implemented were never carried through to the actual quotes, right? And so this is a lead time business. So now he's got months and months of quotes out there that are not at the proper margins. And he's basically now working for free. He's made the adjustment, but can he survive, right? And so the previous owner, understanding the nature of the business, probably was keeping a closer eye on margins and markups on the quotes, keeping a closer eye on the jobs being quoted and what when the contracts being won. This guy didn't understand to do that. And now he knows, but can he survive? So I'm always talking about how you want to understand your own background, your own history, what you're an expert at, and then leverage that to give yourself an advantage in the business that you choose to buy. This is an example of something that can happen when you're not fully versed in a particular kind of business. Um, 
was talking on the, I had a Zoom call yesterday with a lady um, who was talking with me about something to do with PR, but she got into her own business ownership history. Her and her husband used to own a restaurant for over 10 years and they were very successful catering jobs, you know, sit down restaurant, lots of traffic. There was a bar area, the whole thing. Everything worked really well until, and I've heard this from restaurant and hospitality businesses many times over the years, until the city decided to do a bunch of street work and the streets were torn up for the entire summer. People literally could not get to them without going through some kind of maze of detours and you know, sidewalks were all torn up, et cetera, and their foot traffic disappeared. And they were left with the huge overhead of their large, you know, couple hundred seat restaurant. And all of a sudden the traffic was gone. Again, has nothing to do with the recipes, has nothing to do with the staff, the purchasing, nothing. It's completely an outside force. And this is the kind of thing that can happen and come out of nowhere and cause one of these businesses to close or to fail. Um, another comment here from Amy. This is again, another excerpt from an email. Uh, where she says, I've been a business owner since I was 18, running a small, profitable, family-owned and operated business until Hurricane Harvey. So there you go. Another one. Weather-related event. Um, here's another one. And this one deals with a contracting business. So this person bought an electrical contracting business, which he purchased just before the Great Recession through a broker. Listen to this comment. That had cooked books and... An so, so what he's saying is that there was some amount of misrepresentation in what he was shown as far as what the electrical contractor was doing. So my guess is, is that it wasn't a properly structured deal. He didn't have seller note or subject to offsets and that kind of thing. And an employee who violated a non-compete and took the general contractor customers. So he buys the business expecting a certain course of action to carry on and then realizes that what he was shown was not accurate information. And then on top of that, an employee leaves and steals some of the biggest customers, right? And so you might say, well, the employee is not allowed to do that. Okay, so then you're going to sue them, right? Think about that. You're going to have to engage an attorney, pay some kind of retainer. There will be lawsuits that starts with letters, right? So you got letters being sent around and then the other guy hires a lawyer and now you're embroiled in a multi-year legal battle. Meanwhile, you don't have the customers, you don't have the sales, you don't have the profits. You can't fund the lawsuit, right? So again, these are the kinds of things that happen. And, and it sounds like that business also had a, cu a customer concentration issue, which is something again, that we can deal with through deal structure. So I, I, um, I'm just looking through my comments here. Yeah, okay. So so that's those are the ones I wanted to highlight. So I didn't, you know, bring all this out because I want to scare you from owning a business. I think that business ownership is a fantastic path to being able to achieve a lot of things in life. More more freedom over your own destiny, um, more time freedom, more control. When you are able to leverage other people's labor, you're able to really build wealth. Um, it's a path, you know, most of the self-made millionaires around are business owners, right? So there's all kinds of great reasons to buy a business. But I wanted to highlight the risks associated with being in business because the biggest ways that people get into trouble are by buying a business that they really don't have any kind of knowledge of, 
right? So there's that, that ignorance risk factor. Um, the other thing is that they pay too high a price. So most of the time, when if you read the stats on business failure, most businesses fail because of a cash flow issue. What does that mean? Not enough money is coming in for the thing money that has to go out. Well, when you buy a business, if you pay a really high price and you borrow a lot of money, one of the big demands on the business's cash is going to be the finance payments for the loan or whatever money you got to buy the business. And so I did a video recently where I talked about raising, rising interest rates. And so one of the ways people get into trouble with rising interest rates is if they paid a really high price comparatively for the business and they have a really high debt service, debt financing obligation, then they're going to run into that cash flow crunch earlier. So you have to be cognizant of the fact that you're buying a risky asset. And that would then mean that you're going to pay a reasonable price for that asset. You're not going to, you know, try to outcompete all the other, um, you know, hungry buyers by offering more and more and more and end up in a super leveraged position where a ton of your cash flow is committed now to going to the bank, right? So there's expertise, there's paying a reasonable price. The third thing is to structure it properly. So we, we already heard from, you know, someone who um, lost their, in the electrical contractor space, somebody who lost out uh, because somebody took away their major customers. So if the deal had been structured properly to deal with customer concentration risk, maybe having some performance requirements tied to a seller note subject to some of those big clients remaining with the business for so many years, you know, there would have been a way to then adjust the deal after the fact if something like that did occur, right? So while it's risky to buy a business and some of these things are really difficult to plan for, knowing what you're doing, not overpaying, structuring it properly are definitely ways to manage these risks. The other thing is just not to put your last nickel into a deal, is to realize that a business, particularly a small business, is an asset that is amongst a constellation of your assets, right? So in my, in my course on how to buy a business, which you can find over at businessbuyeradvantage.com, there is a whole section in there on risk. And one of the things that I describe in there is that you need to take money off the table. So what I will often see people do is they'll buy a business and then they'll make some money. They'll have some profits and you then have to make a choice. Do you take the money out of the business? Do you pay down your debts faster or do you take that money and reinvest in growth? And for a lot of people who have never been through hard times, they, they're driven by this idea that they want better, faster, more profitable, et cetera. And they'll take their excess cash and they'll put it into things that they think will drive more growth. And that's continuing the ultra leveraged status. It, it, it basically keeps you at this super leveraged point because all of your cash that could serve as some kind of reserve or security blanket or, or protection against a bump in the road, like the city you know, digging up the sewer in front of a restaurant, um, it's not there. And so part of the risk management has to do with operations. It's looking at a judicious way of making your business more resilient in the face of unforeseen dangers. 
And resiliency comes in one form, and that is through greater equity in the business, which either comes from, you know, having cash piled up somewhere in case of a problem, or it comes from paying off those debts. Or you can say, look, I put a certain amount of money into this business. I want to get my money out into other sort of non-related assets. And even that's a way of building business resiliency, because then if your business suffers one of these bumps, you then have the option of making the choice of whether you're going to put some of your own resources back in. So if it's truly a temporary scenario, like the city digging up the sewer, you can then make the decision, I'm going to support this business through this hard time because I know it should recover and come back to the way it was. Or in the case of like the John Deere dealership, you can say, hey, there's been a material change in the future outlook of this thing. I'm going to wind it up. I'm glad I took some money out and did other things with it because now I've got more chess pieces I can move around in this game of my life and business. Anyway, hope that helps, guys. If uh, if you want to own a business, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, I'm saying you should. Business is risky, which is why I always advocate buying one that's already going before you start one, which has unknown prospects. But keep in mind that it's still a risky asset and you need to do these deals in the proper way. You need to understand what you're getting into. You can't overpay. You need the proper deal structure. And here's the frustrating part is that sometimes you will get out there and you will figure out what makes sense to you. You'll figure out what amount of money you can afford to pay and what deal structure you need to make it work. And the seller won't accept it. And some other person will come along and snap up that business by creating some kind of drunk money offer where they write a big check and they don't really know what they're doing. It can be frustrating. It can really be frustrating when that happens to you because you say, man, I could have had the business. I like that business. And this other person came in and just paid more and they got it. Well, you know, they're talking about a recession here, right? And so we'll see what happens to those people. But you have to figure out what works for you and you have to make your offers and do your dealings based on what works for you. And if a deal doesn't work for you, don't get into it. Anyway, with that, we'll see you next time. And uh, I hope I haven't scared you all off. Anyway, if, if, if whatever, however you feel about it, put a comment down below. Don't forget to hit like, and, uh, and we'll see you next time. And uh, maybe we'll be more pumped up and enthusiastic. Cheers. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.